0: And yes, we'll be having communion in a little while. So that's another time when if there's something that you've heard just then that you'd like to explore more or pray about or whatever, then there will be a chance then as well. Um, can I have uh, Justin, Judy, Henry and Alistair come up and join me? don't know if Justin can. Okay. <laughs> There are still donuts. (laughs) Right, come up on the stage. Okay, now, a bit of audience participation today, including the kids, to try and help you listen. So, hands up if anyone knows what these lovely people have in common. Just gonna see if any little people know. Mm. (laughs) Well, Judy's not wearing glasses. But she does have glasses. So well done. (laughs) Anyone else? Jack, I think you had your hand up. Uh, They are all deacons. Well done. Um, We've got a little bit of a deacon focus in the passage today. So I thought I would, uh, in case you don't know who our deacons are, is uh, show you who our deacons are. So I'm going to ask them to tell us in one sentence what what they spend most of their deaconing time doing. So Henry, what about you? Um, Building related things. So we recently had the roof redone um, above the single story bit and kind of helping to sort that kind of stuff out. Indeed. Judy? Minutes, (laughs) agendas, stuff about meetings really. (laughs) So Judy is a special deacon because she's a church secretary which is uh, uh, one that gets done every year that's right isn't it you get voted for every year and she's also her paid job is church administrator so the two things kind of dovetail together but they are actually separate things. Alistair? Um, A whole mishmash of things that I seem to have inherited from people as they uh, (laughs) disappear. Obviously there's there's various worship related things um, and uh, trying to keep the technical things running and the, the, the license we need to be uh, able to put the songs up on the, on the screen. One or two, building things, like I think I'm probably the person who knows how the heating might work or doesn't work <laughs> and, and things like that, uh, and sort of one or two more um, sort of specialist administrative things I help Judy with. Yeah. Alistair's our longest serving deacon, that's mm-hmm. right, isn't it? Yeah. How long have you been serving Al? Uh, that's a good question. Thirty two years 30 that deserves a round of applause (laughs) and justin (laughs) um it's it's kind of when i first started deaconing um it was kind of around the media online stuff um but some some of that has gone over to the fabulous luke at the back Who's sort of taking over and doing much better than i was doing uh so that was sort of one of my kind of remits um but i'm also i also kind of do just general dog's body stuff. And safeguarding. Oh yeah, safeguarding. Yeah, so (laughs) um, yeah, it it might be kind of uh, helping organize stuff being like taken to the tip or whatever, Um, organizing painting of rooms, (laughs) stuff like that. But um, yeah, safeguarding as well. So So he's, uh, along with Jenny, one of the people that you can speak to if you ever have a concern. So I just want to pray for you guys before I let you sit down. Thank you Father that we have these amazing deacons in our church who um, tirelessly serve you and some of them have served you for, well they've all served you actually for many years. Uh, We thank you for all the things that they do behind the scenes that are really not glamorous at all um, and they do them to keep the church uh, going, to keep us a safe and uh, happy, you know, well community and to keep us running as a charity um, in the right way as well. So Lord, we thank you for each of them, and we pray that you would bless them in their service to you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. Okay, so when Judy gets back, she's going to put up the passage for today. And we're continuing our... um, our series that we've been doing on Acts which is looking at the early church and uh, so we're up to chapter six so I'll pray and let's read it through. Father God would you bless your word to us now Lord help us to have open ears and open hearts to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Okay so Acts chapter six sorry hang on <laughs> I'm going to fall over that block otherwise. Right In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, so we start with good news here. Um, the number of disciples is still increasing. The church is growing still, but uh, somewhat inevitably, discord has uh, has arisen. Stu last week spoke on Ananias and Sapphira, so they'd already had a a problem in the church but this was a more of a kind of organizational uh, or general um, problem I suppose, a, a, an issue and um, in my translation it says the Hellenistic Jews but it actually does say the Grecian Jews here so just to explain basically they were the Jews that had Greek heritage as opposed to the, um, the sort of more uh, traditional Hebraic ones. And the widows in question that it's talking about there, they were really vulnerable. They're coming for food because uh, their husband has died. Uh, Women couldn't work, so they couldn't uh, provide for themselves. And these would have been women who had no family to support them either, because the tradition was, if you had family, your family would look after you. But clearly these were widows who had no one. So they had no way to earn a living and they were coming for help so a bit of uh, another hands up what is then the first contention that we see here in the original church what's it about what's the root luke yeah so so money and injustice yeah yeah so there's that kind of element around money provision and there's a racial injustice going on there isn't there there's an issue between the Greeks and the, and the Hebrews. Now, if you think back into chapter four, which I spoke on before, um, people were bringing donations. They started to bring donations and put them at the apostles' feet. And uh, that started off as, you know, probably a small thing or a one-off and then everyone started to do it. And now this has turned into a daily distribution, which is amazing, you know, that this acts of generosity has grown, um, but it was getting too big for the apostles. So no doubt the apostles were doing their absolute best, but this complaint has arisen. And the response of the apostles shows that presumably it was a legitimate complaint. They didn't say, no, we're not, and send them away. Um, There obviously was a problem. And it was fine that it had been brought up. There was no kind of um, telling off of the people that had raised the complaint. It was, you know, it was a legitimate problem. and They'd raised it. In the best church in the world, there is bound to be from time to time some grievances because it's made up of sinful people. (laughs) Um, And so it was okay to raise this. The apostles listened and then they sought to solve the problem. They didn't just sort of bury their heads in the sand or whatever, but they wanted to guard against distraction and find the way forward. So what was the solution? Give the job to someone else, yes. Delegate. (laughs) And that's exactly right, yeah. The answer was to get more people involved. There are different roles, different callings for different people. No one can do everything. Even though some of us like to try sometimes and then uh, God tells us off for that. So, you know, no one can do everything. They couldn't do it all. The beauty of a Baptist church is uh, that we subscribe to the concept of all-member ministry that idea that every single person in this room has something to contribute, that it's not a kind of people at the front and then everyone else over there type thing, but we're all part of the same thing. So I'm just gonna pause for a moment while you bring to mind what your role or your calling is in Woody. So it might be something very obvious. So you know, Luke can stand there and say, well, I, I lead worship. Um, it might be something that seems much more small, much more insignificant, but nothing is insignificant to God. So just take a moment now, a minute, and just think, well, what do I bring? What is my role? What things can I do to help? Okay, now, if you you couldn't think of anything, don't panic, we'll come back to that later. But we also see then in verse two, that uh, preaching the word of God must not be neglected. That was the apostles' absolute priority. When we have a new pastor, which will be sometime, (laughs) we don't know when, um, you will all enjoy and benefit from having someone who is more gifted in teaching than us elders. Um, No offense guys, (laughs) Um, but It's important that we allow that person, when they arrive, plenty of space to minister in that. That will always be the most important thing for them. And to devote themselves to... Oh, I think my battery's just gone. (laughs) Hold that thought, because we're recording. Okay, back to where we were then. Um, Yes, and they need to devote themselves to prayer as well, as it says in verse four. So they need to be able to keep the main thing, the main thing. So we had a pastor here years ago now called Andy, and that was one of his sayings, keep the main thing, the main thing. So that is just something for us to bear in mind when we get our new pastor. So who chose, looking back at the passage, who chose the seven men that were in question? Kathy? Everyone, yes, exactly. It was the people, the disciples, the whole lot, the thousands of them, that chose the deacons. And then the apostles commissioned them um, by praying, laying hands on them. And it happens the same way in Woody. Um, People don't generally put themselves forward to being deacons, but instead the church members have a responsibility. Have a responsibility. (laughs) to be um, proposing people who they think are suitable. And that's the general pattern in the Baptist church again. So the whole church then would consider that proposal at a meeting and vote accordingly. So another reminder here that if you're not already a member, but you'd like to be able to be part of such future deliberations, then please speak to any elder. Um, This is an important part of how, uh, how we run and actually on that note, um, in April, end of April, last Wednesday of April, we have an AGM or the AGM coming up, which is you know, our kind of charity thing that we do, but if obviously it's just another opportunity to have a church meeting. And at that point, we will be um, voting on whether Judy continues as church secretary. So rather than us nagging, or rather than the elders being people that propose, what should happen is that anyone who is um, a member um, proposes for Judy to continue being church secretary. So if, if, you, know, if you appreciate what she does, then um, you need to do that. You can speak to Judy herself. <laughs> she collects the proposals. Um, Henry is also up for re-election. So any one of you that thinks that Henry ought to continue being a deacon, you need to propose him in the next few weeks. Okay? If there's other people who aren't deacons that you think would be good deacons and you think might be being called to be deacons, then again, propose them Propose them to have a chat with Judy or any of their leaders. Okay? But you might have noticed that the word deacon isn't actually used in this passage as such. But the word uh, to wait in verse 2, yeah, uh, to wait on tables, that word to wait is diaconio. I don't know if I've said that right, but it's diaconia. Emily's nodding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sounds good. <laughs> so that word then <coughs> became associated, excuse me, <coughs> with this kind of administrative service. And then deacons are talked about then in more detail in Philippians and in Romans and then extensively in 1 Timothy. So it's presumed that this is the root and the beginning of that particular role that then grew in the church. And they were always under the authority of elders and they're not required to teach, but the list of qualifications in 1 Timothy is pretty long, um, as is the list for elders uh, as well. But back at this point in time, what was the qualification? There wasn't a long list here. What was the qualification for these guys to become deacons? Absolutely. Uh, It's interesting that the qualification wasn't being organized, much as that helps when you're a deacon, or popular or good at maths for the treasurer or anything like that. It was being full of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from him. Waiters wait on the Lord. So more on that in a minute. Now we also see that in verse 5 the solution was proposed not imposed but it pleased the whole group so happy days. Now you may not realise that those who are chosen all have Greek names so why would it be good if they were all of Greek heritage these people? The minority group, yeah the Greeks were the disadvantaged group and so the church graciously picked all people who were Greek to rebalance that that perceived or actual injustice I mean that's just a really beautiful kind of um bit that you may not appreciate on first reading that uh yeah they were trying to rebalance things by having all of these people to be of Greek origin so they could relate to those who've been feeling hard done by, and it goes some way to rebalancing the imbalance. We're um, we're actually finishing our Acts series next week because we we wanted to look at the early church portion rather than on into the mission uh, part, but if you did keep reading yourself, which I'd highly recommend, then you'll hear more from some of these guys. You'll hear about Stephen, who was um, martyred. you hear about Philip, who goes on to become an evangelist. So they started here as deacons, but then their service and their giftings grew and developed and, uh, and so on. And then it says that the church grew again. So um, they chose them, verse seven, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples increased rapidly. So organization, as opposed to chaos, allows for growth. There's nothing wrong with rotas. <laughs> Um, God is a God of uh, of order, not of chaos, and as they were able, as the apostles were able to devote themselves to teaching, to the main thing, and people were looked after better, things grew again. And, as well, we see a large number of priests becoming Christians who'd, you know, previously not been, so that was likely the trigger then for the oncoming persecution that then came. So big changes. So uh, we've recently asked each of you to consider how you might serve in Woody and you might think this is all planned, but it's not. When we set out to do this this um, thing on Acts, uh, ages and ages ago, months and months ago, you know, we just divvied up the chapters as you do. We had no idea that this would dovetail in, <laughs> so, you know, honestly, which is just amazing because I love the way that God uses the word and what he's doing all in the same time. So... Um, the last two weeks, if you receive Woody Weekly, you have also received like a sign up sheet where you can say what you want to do. There are many and various ways um, to get in, in, you know, involved in church and it doesn't all revolve around Sunday mornings, but obviously that is quite a main focus. And Sunday mornings offer a rich variety of ways to play your part. So I give an unembarrassed reminder to sign up if you haven't already done so. Um, It will bless you. It will bless the church. But this this is not this morning about getting us to serve. My point, actually, that I feel that God wanted me to bring was about how we serve. So the main point, really, that I want this to end with is that even the most practical role of waiting on tables required the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And I've said, I think in another recent preach, if we're doing things that we could do without the Spirit, then we haven't really realized yet the fullness of what God's got for us. We're not just another organization, we're a body of Christ. So we need to be doing all our serving, however practical, however small it might seem, it all needs to be done in the strength of the Holy Spirit and only in that strength. We need to be relying on his wisdom, So when you're serving coffee, do you have a word of encouragement for the person that you're giving the coffee to? When you're chatting in the cafe, could you be praying for healing for that person that you're talking to? When you're stewarding at the front door, can you be making a home for marginalised, for people who have never set foot in a church before, who it takes a big deal to step over the, the threshold? When you're setting up the bouncy castle, can you be praying for the children who will be coming that day? When you're putting out the chairs, can you be praying for each chair and the person who's gonna be sitting there? Here's a small but significant example. I haven't told Esther I'm about to use her, but when she baked recently, all her cakes were gluten-free due to her her own dietary requirements. And we had a first-time visitor that day who, uh, when I offered them a cake, said, oh, no, I can't eat any of that, I'm gluten-free. So when I said, um, oh, well, actually, they're all gluten-free, she was surprised and, um, and just delighted, really, um, really blessed. And it went um, a fairly long way in her feeling pretty welcome in that space and safe in that space. And God, in his wonderful wisdom, had matched the baker that week with the visitor. <laughs> um, you know, it's as we do things for God that seem pretty you know, straightforward or even mundane at times, God is at work and when we do it from the place of, you know, being filled with his spirit, we're not just getting stuff done. We're forwarding his kingdom. We mustn't try to do it in our own strength. Waiters, wait on the Lord. I want you now to turn to one or two people in your groups and share what you think your role or your service is in Woody and I want you to pray for each other. So it might be obvious to you, like I said, or it might be that you're actually not sure, you haven't filled any, any roles, you're not really sure what you want to do, what you can do, um, everyone can do something. So you can be praying for each other to know what to do. So I want you to be praying that you'll be each filled with the Holy Spirit. So pray for each other to be filled. Pray that you'll be filled in a fresh way, that you can commit your service to God and to his purposes. And if you're not sure yet how you can be serving him, then pray for each other that you will know that there will grow in you a calling and a a desire or even just a kind of conviction that, yeah, I can do that, whatever it is. Okay? Okay, let's pray.